0: Hey, it's Bill Courtney with an army of normal folks again. Let's continue with part two of our conversation with John Ponder right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors.
1: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
2: Mexico will likely have its first female president.
1: And then you have China.
3: From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again.
0: How long of that six and a half years did you spend in that
4: jail? Oh, it was, uh, it was, I did the whole, uh, Oh, there's no yeah. reliever. release no, this, no. Uh, Well, you got to get 85% of your time, but I whatever, see. whatever that worked but out to was today.
0: Five, six years. What? Yeah. And so that's, that's hard time. Oh that's yeah. That's federal time. Oh yeah. And so, John, I'm, I, 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 look, man, I, I'm a, I like to understand people. It's it's I find it fascinating. I find people fascinating. Right. I find my own children fascinating. Actually, I find my own children a pain in the butt most time, but also fascinating. Uh-huh. John, you have a whole life of crime. You have a whole life of game banging. You've told me that you were an addict, mm-hmm. which makes you frankly a normal person. Mm-hmm. And it is an amazing story about how you found your faith, and God found you, and you found your father. and, and But, you know, almost everybody on their deathbed finds religion. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't die, the religion tends to wane mm-hmm. in most people. Yep. And so I'm hearing your story, and my question is, you did six years in the federal penitentiary, and right. in the federal penitentiary, if, if if any of the stories I've been told by people who've done time right. are true, the gangs are as rampant inside the jail as they are out. The drugs are as rampant inside the jail as out. The crime is as rampant inside the jail as out. The, is as the, jail as out. Right. the 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 abuse is as rampant inside the jail as out. And yeah, you've made the deal, right. but you're still the guy that spent his whole life in this mm-hmm. world. How, how did you, I get, I get, I get, God led you there. Right, right. But the real human of this, you had to have had, the grip hadn't turned to loose yet. Mm-hmm. There's no way it
4: just complete. Right. You had to have felt pulled at times. Sure. Right. Right. You know, I think that uh, just like anything in life, when, when people are looking to change, right, the the, the the biggest battle that we have is fighting the gravitational pull back into that life that you're trying to get. That's what
0: from. I'm asking. You had Absolutely. six years in the
4: pen. Absolutely. but And listen, for me, when I went to the pen, in my mind, <clears throat> and I remember even the day that I was pulling up into USB Allenwood in Pennsylvania, right? The big doors opened up, and there was a bus there, dogs underneath the bus. Got to be scary. When that, Oh, my gosh, I was scared to death. I was 100% scared to death. This, you know, Even been,
0: a, even a tough street <clears throat> kid fight, right? tough, yeah. and everybody's got this hard,
4: Absolutely. but you had to. No, I was trimmed. 100% scared to death. And when that second door opened up and I looked and I saw that big, gigantic seal that said, um, you know, maximum security, United States, federal penitentiary, Allenwood. <laughs> That's when the fear really kicked in. Yeah. But I sat on that bus and I looked up at that sign and I remembered the commitment I made to God. And in my mind, I changed the words on that sign. And it said, Allenwood, United States Federal Learning Institution. (laughs) That's awesome. It was a Bible college for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right In my mind, that bus you chugged. You turned a federal pen That's into right. a Bible college. That bus chugged forward. And listen, I went in there and in here and in here, I went to school. In your head and your heart. In my head and my heart. Was all the other stupid stuff happening, the stuff I was involved with before? Was it happening all around me all day long? But I knew I had to stay maniac focused on, number one, getting to know better this God that I just surrendered my life to. And I'll tell you, this is passage of scripture, and I'm gonna paraphrase when Paul and um Silas in the book of Acts. They were arrested, and they were put in prison, right? And the the Philippian jailer had them housed. They were down in the basement, and they were chained, and they said that Paul and Silas was, was singing and worshiping, and, and they said they were singing and worshiping. In the middle of the night, the, the walls came down. The chains fell off of them, right? But they right. kept singing and worshiping, right? So the the question is, is that they were in prison, and they're chained and bound in the dungeon of this prison, And the walls fell down. The chains came off. And the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself. And they were like, no, wait, don't do that. We're right here. Because he thought they escaped on his watch. Right. So the reason why Paul and Silas, that's the question. Why didn't they get up and leave? Why didn't they get up and run? And the answer lies in the reason why they did not get up and run, because Paul and Silas in here was already set free.
0: In their heart. and their soul. They had their own liberty inside them.
4: Right. So many years ago, while I was in prison...
0: You had liberty.
4: Oh, my gosh. I was already set free behind 50-foot walls.
0: So you had hope. Because you had that liberty, you had your hope.
4: Absolutely. and It it didn't matter. My hope didn't come the day that I walked out that back door. That liberty came for me the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus. Do you know there's another thing that just popped in my head hearing you is...
0: That Nelson Mandela, when spending twenty-seven years in jail in South Africa mm-hmm. and never giving up and then becoming president of the country. Yeah.
4: Phenomenal.
0: And what was most phenomenal when he came out is he said, We're not going to punish or penalize those who punished and penalized me. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. when asked why he could do that, he said it was because he made his body had always been locked up. But he was yes. always free. Yes, he yes, he was free in his heart, mind, right, right. And I right. hear you say that, and I yeah. think of that Nelson Mandela story. Right. In. So you're free, yeah. and you, but you, but let's be honest, you figured that out. The vast majority of the two million people incarcerated mm-hmm. in this country, right, don't feel that freedom, right, right. So how do you start hope for right. in Vegas? So how do you start? Yeah, so I, it? where's yeah, it come from?
4: Right, right. Well, I, you know, I, I tell people that Hope for Prisoners was a vision that God impregnated me with when I was in prison and I came home to to give birth to it, right? Okay. Investing every waking moment of my time while I'm in prison or learning all those things that Oh, was. so you're
0: setting up the infrastructure of it in your mind in prison. Oh. You're, you're fundamentally getting the, the the nuts of bolts. Absolutely. The but downloads of it.
4: I got zero money. I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't have the background, experience, and so forth and so on. All I know that... that Did that, you think
0: about robbing a bank to start? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I guess that would have been no, a screwed yeah, up life. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, I just had
4: to 100% depend on. Yeah. I know that if God gave me this vision, he's going to give me the provo- the provisions, <laughs> yeah, I get right? So, yeah.
0: Again, obviously, so, yeah. I'm playing with you. So, you're here. You got... you you spent six years building it right you got your own freedom you got your own hope i, right. I get all that yep. but you get to vegas and you got this great idea but you're not funded no and yeah. and frankly if i'm somebody that that has the authority and or the funds to help you uh uh-huh. You know, there's a lot of people that come out of prison that say they're going to do something. Oh, some absolutely! Yes. And so, how in the world am I going to? Why am I going to choose to back you right. versus a thousand other people that have dreamed up ways to live now yeah. Yeah. that the recidivision rate says are very unlikely to follow right. through? Right. How did you get it done, John?
4: Yeah. You know, I, I think that I did it, it. It got done with a lot of prayer, right? And and it was this, and this is a saying that, that I live by in my life, right? I'm not going to sit there and tell you what I'm going to do because people, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let my actions speak so loudly that you can barely hear what I'm saying. And even when I was moving forward and the world around me was slamming doors in my face. I couldn't get in Nevada department of correctional parole, parole and probation funders, that's what I'm saying. Like I can't imagine anybody would even listen to But you. Exactly. But what I had to always do when the world around me was telling me, no. I had to hold on to that yes, God gave me behind 50 foot walls that this is going to happen. You keep digging the trenches and, you know, I'll be the provider and it just, you know, 2000, end uh, 2000, of 2010, 2011, we hit the ground and never look back.
0: We'll be right back.
2: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years
0: Hope for Prisoners has helped nearly 3,500 returning citizens reintegrate back into society, and they've done it successfully. As we mentioned earlier, they only have an 8% recidivism rate. Their rich programming and rich love inspires real hope for folks who really haven't had a lot of hope in their life. The participants first enter what they call a pre-vocational training program, which includes courses on soft and hard skills for employment readiness and success in life like public speaking, leadership, emotional intelligence, and things as simple as just how to operate email. They're also matched up with a group of mentors for the long term who walk alongside them throughout life and continually provide reference points for what a healthy and productive life looks like something that a lot of these folks have never had before. And then there's a third element, the element that I think is the magic to the whole program. And I couldn't really wait to talk to John about it. Law enforcement officers are mentors. The very people who once locked them up are now leading their training and their mentoring. And and get this, The law enforcement officers, the police, the FBI, the people involved in the program are not being ordered to do it. They're not on the clock. They're not getting paid to do it. They actually are volunteering to mentor these folks because they simply care.
4: Again, everything is birthed in prayer. You know, I had the vision of being able to do that because the FBI agent that was on my case, he's my dear friend to this day. Which is insane and, to yeah, me. Yeah, and he came alongside me when I first came home from prison and we developed this friendship. Did you was, call him? When uh, you came actually, home from I prison? think he reached out to me. The man that arrested you the, for the, bankruptcy the FBI reached agent, out to you when yeah, you came back. Here. Yep. Yep, yep, absolutely. And listen, when I was at the federal halfway house in Vegas, I'm here for like two days, and all of a sudden I get called up front, and then the FBI agent, I come up front, the FBI agent's there, and he was like, hey, John, how you doing? Welcome home. And then he leaned into me, and he said to me, hey, I just want to let you know my wife and I have been praying for you since you. And right there in that moment. John, are you kidding me? I can't make this
0: up. The man that arrested
4: you. Absolutely. And
0: your buddies now,
4: and he's my we're buddies. But well, why did he do that, John? I, you know, I, I I because I think that, and I had no idea at the time when he took me into custody, custody that he was a Christian. I had no idea. Or well, you wouldn't have cared. Uh, absolutely, but you know, there's another passage of scripture in Colossians one thirteen. It says that he he plucks you out of the kingdom of darkness and conveys you into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I believe God used FBI agent Richie Beasley. To pluck me out of the kingdom of darkness, he saved my life and put me on this trajectory to who I am today. So, again, him being a law enforcement officer and me appreciating those friendships, I just was saying, man, how could we do this same thing with other law enforcement? In other
0: words, the impact he had on your life. Yes, yes. I know what that meant to me as a felon. Mm -hmm. I need other felons to see that. Law enforcement is really not bad.
4: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And so he helped you with
4: that? Uh, he's, he started some of it, and then we started you know, getting connected with other law enforcement agents. There was a, you know, with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, it was a, then a captain named Kevin McMahon, who's now our incoming sheriff. He and I was uh, talking, and it's, this thing has just grown into, I mean, we started out with just six police officers now. We have 135 police officers. Hold that, on, just stop. <laughs> 135
0: police officers in the Las Vegas metro area.
4: Yes, never before in the history of reentry, nowhere on this planet to this magnitude has law enforcement gotten this engaged in mentoring and training people coming home from the prison system. So when you when you have conversations with them, and it's very methodical, right? You you just got to get people to change their their way of thinking. And if you look across this country, right? especially what happened in the summer 2020, you know, uh, with disrupts in the community, people don't trust police. They just don't trust them. But the reason why they don't trust police is because they're not in a relationship with the police. And what relationship could you ever establish trust unless there's life rubbing up against life in the spirit of complete transparency? Uh-huh. that we have more in common than we have differences. No big I, no big it'll use. And, and out of that transparency, that comes the relationship. And once that relationship is established, we can start working on trust.
0: Do you think there's, I, I this is my own, and this is just my own feeling. Um, do you think there's a danger in people not understanding the humanity of the police. In other words, when you think the police, you think of the structure and the institution of the police rather than the human being that just happens to be a policeman
4: right that's where i think that we need to do a better job at at changing that 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 institution right that it's it's a cultural change that needs to take place on both sides of the equation right because you know if you look at the police officers are there to protect and to serve right could we look at the police officers there in full uniform it's that cognitive shift that I look at that person, but I see behind the badge. Of course, you're in full uniform, right? But I see behind the badge to the to the wives and husbands and moms and dads, sisters and brothers, and little league football coaches, and right. It, you, you see the human side of them, and again, you get to see the human side of it by what's happening here within our organization, it's the life rubbing up against life and have stories that people begin to view and their perceptions begin to change. So how does John ponder the citizen? John ponder,
0: just the citizen, just the member of the society, how do you feel what goes on in your heart and head, which you've talked about a lot, what goes on in your heart and head when you know how and how vital all of the police officers are in your program that that has has changed lives in the city what happens in your heart and head when you hear a national narrative that we need to defund Mm, these people
4: my gosh my 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 heart breaks it it really is heartbreaking Mm -hmm. right and um I was on a I was on a radio show one time it's going back a couple of years ago and it was right after something happened it was an officer involved shooting killed an unarmed black person whatever the case it be and on this radio show the the host had said to me you know how could you support law enforcement you're an African American man and that's, right this it was just right so it's so, an African American dude right that grew up,
0: well see this is what <laughs> this is why I'm trying to tie it together you're an African American dude you grew up in in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. which, yeah, and and you 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 were in and out of jail through 36, 40 years old. Yeah, yep. You're the grandson of a sharecropper and the yep. great-grandson of a slave. Yep,
4: yep, yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And have dealt with all of the institutional racism that this country has offered. Yep. And this is for another show, but I think there's... I think we could talk a lot about that, but clearly the path that your life has taken and your heritage,
4: Mm
0: -hmm. um, you're supposed to not like the police, John. That's right. That's what the society tells us, that you're supposed to be not liking the police. So as that man— To, to hear you say it breaks your heart hearing about the defund the police movement, but then there are unarmed people that get killed by the police. Mm-hmm. How, how do we, John, help me, right. really help yep. me, and and help our listeners. How do we balance it, John? Right. Because we know we need the police. We don't want people to be unmercifully Shot or or treated bad, we've seen the videos yeah. that get sensationalized on TV. I think in our mind we know that ninety nine point nine percent of the people that wear a badge are good people. But how do we balance it all, John? Right. And 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 from your perspective, how do you balance it? Mm-hmm. And and. Do you get called a sellout being a black dude and right. speaking out against it? Yeah. I mean, how do you balance it all? It's right. just—it's the one question I couldn't wait to get to is how do we balance it? Because right. it's killing us right yep. now as a society. Yeah.
4: Yep. I think that um, the way that I approach it is this, right? Have you ever thought about how close the word enemy comes to the inner me? Hmm. And I spent a lifetime fighting enemies on the outside. Until I took a look at the enemies that were laying dormant on the inner me. And once I conquered the enemies on the inner me, the enemies on the outside disappeared. Police officers are not my enemies. As an African American man, I, I love and respect and appreciate being out in the community. Do some people do some things? You got some maybe not so good people out there? Absolutely, right? this reporter that was interviewing one time, and he tried to push me out there on that, and how can I support, and everything like that, and he was just going on this little tangent, and I, what I said to him, I asked him if he was married, and he said he was married, and I asked him that, uh, you know, do you, you consider yourself a good husband, and he said, yeah, I'm a good husband, and and I said that, you know, I, I'm married, too, and I like to consider myself a good husband. And I know a lot of men that are married and they good husbands and, and, and love their wives and they honor them and respect them. then I said that there are some men out there who are not good husbands, who beat their wives and don't give them the love, the honor, respect that they, they need to give them. Right. But I said to him, do not lump me in with those bad husbands. Right. <laughs> right. That's Don't lump sure. me in there, right? Because I, I'm a good husband, I, but you cannot lump the rest of the good cops that are out there putting their life on the line for some people that may have, you know, made a bad call, bad judgment, quality, they, they messed up, or whatever the case may be. But you can't lump everybody up in there.
0: Right. And you see that. Absolutely. We'll be right back.
1: Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.
0: And so I came to visit you today in your offices, which is very cool. And before we got to sit down and and have our discussion today, I, I was in a room that had 50 or 60 people in it. And along the wall of one half of the room were parole officers. It looked like uh, Las Vegas Metro cops and maybe sheriffs. Uh, looked like an undercover guy or two. <laughs> looked like there was a rabbi in there that had a badge on, which was something foreign to me, but he was <laughs> awesome. And then the other half of the room was a whole bunch of guys, ladies, men and men and women who were on parole, work release, or fresh out of jail. Yes, and. I watched them all hug, Yeah. and I watched them all eat, mm. and I watched people who'd been arrested by people in those uniforms hugging them, and frankly, those people in those uniforms have to deal with some pretty nasty people every mm. day. And those people represent the nasty people they have to deal with, some of which have tried to hurt them in the past, and I right. watched them hug them back. And I'm watching this room full of people mm. that you've assembled Yes, <laughs> that, that are supporting one another and and it was this this weird beautiful odd arrangement so
4: tell me what that meeting was yeah tell me what was happening and sure so as we're working with the formerly incarcerated people that are helping them come home and help them successfully reintegrate back in their home, the workplace, and the community, we want to wrap services around them. So not only the leadership training and vocational training, we want to make sure that we can set them up to be successful as they reintegrate back into the community. So in this partnership... Which, which a lot of people do in this country. Right. Yep. But the, the law enforcement part yeah. is what's so unique. Man, it is it is critical. And I, ho- I wish the people would be able to get that because if you think about it let me tell you why that's so important if we're gonna get men and women to return back to the community and be successful members of the community we want to get them to a place where they will never reoffend again in order for us to be able to do that we have to instill in them a love or respect or appreciation for the rules and regulations out in the land right we found that something incredible happened when we bought them in relationship with those who are upholding the law they respect it more. They have a tendency to not, you know, sway. It's not no you, us against them, right? You're in relationship, right? And it was very powerful. But, but think about this. If you flip the coin around the other side, the thing that makes me smile is that this level of partnership is forcing law enforcement. To do the things that they talked about for years. Serve. Community, engagement, and serving. And serve. You don't know how many instances we had here where there's an officer who 16, 17 years ago, he was the gang task force, hooking and booking people, right? Right. But they've been on the force, you know, 17, 18 years now. And that means they've seen it all. Oh, no, and they're. Lived they're, it all. And they're the captains of the gang unit. And now all of a sudden it walks through the door. The the person they locked up 17 years ago comes to the door, and listen, today they're best friends.
0: Just like you and the FBI agent.
4: Just like the FBI agent, and they're best friends to this day. They do not go back to jail. Now, as Medea would say, praise God. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And some hallelujahs (laughs) and everything
0: else. My brother, yes, that is hope for prisoners. Yes, yes. It is an amazing story. Now, it works. Mm-hmm. But there's only one John Ponder. Right? How, how can we mimic this? Right? How, how does this country do this elsewhere? Yep. Right. And if there's people, listen, John, one of the things that this podcast is for is we talk about a lot of different, different stuff that people do mm-hmm. uh, from from holding babies to right. what you're doing. And, and our hope is that they see that John Ponder is just a normal guy. Who yep. got into a little trouble? Who's done yep. something extraordinary? Just like all the people we talk to, right? And and you're just a normal guy who's done extraordinary things. And my goal is to create an army of normal folks mm. that do extraordinary things yep. across our country. So, yep. Yep. if someone is listening to this and says, "Man, I identify with that," mm. how how do we start? How 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 do we do a Hope for Prisoners in Birmingham, uh, Milwaukee, Denver,
4: Phoenix? Right. How's it work? Love it, love it, love it. I get excited at the opportunity. We did export our model to um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, having a conversation with them, how we did it, got all the stakeholders on board. But then what we had to identify, we had to identify a John Ponder in that area. Right. Right. There are, and I say this very humbly, there there are John Ponders all over this country. That's because it's an army (laughs) of normal folks, my brother. Exactly. Right. So you identify those people, pour your DNA into them, and and just work with them and train them, equip them, launch. We stood Milwaukee up. It's doing phenomenal. So
0: So, we can launch this anywhere. Absolutely. With an army of normal folks.
4: And I think that as we're going across the country, right— Again, the idea is to change the landscape of reentry. Somebody asked me a long time ago when we I first started putting hope for prison together and they say, well, why are you calling it hope for prisoners when the, the people that you work with, they've gotten out of, you know, gotten out of prison? They said, you don't want to put the word prisoners in there because it's got this negative, negative connotation, connotation, right? Yeah. And people don't want to give you money and things like yeah. that. And they said, well, why do you want to name it hope for prisoners? This is what I said to him was that the number one reason why I'm naming it hope for prisoners is God told me to, period, right? 100 percent right. Got it.
0: That was in the Pennsylvania
4: Absolutely. Century Bible College. Absolutely. Y'all right. made that bill, right. you right. can change it. Right. And I said the other reason why I'm naming it Hope for Prison is because the mission of our organization is to help to create a massive amount of people who come home from the prison system, and not only do they never re-offend again, that they begin to live levels of life that most people only dream of. When we do that, then they become the hope for, for prisoners. The prisoners. That's a beautiful thing, brother.
0: <laughs> Last thing, um, if somebody wants to talk to you and say, hey, I want to try to do this in my right. town, wh- what is the website? How do they reach out? How, uh, how, do pe- how do people reach into John Ponder's Las Vegas world and
4: find out more? Right, they can visit our website at hopefor. Or you can certainly call our office at 702-586-1371. But if you want to shoot me an email, you can certainly email me at J-O-N-P, so it's John P., at hope4prisoners.org for, F-O-R, love to be able to have a conversation with you john ponder i haven't done
0: this yet but i
4: think i'm going to make you an officer in their army of normal folks
0: oh my goodness i'm in <laughs> so far Sign we, me up. so far we've done privates and corporals but my friend you're captain <laughs> it has truly been a, an honor and a pleasure to spend time with you today
4: well awesome it is my honors thank you guys so much for uh, for the opportunity okay buddy
0: yeah thank you Guys, to join the army of normal folks, go to normalfolks.us. That's right, normalfolks.us and sign up to become a member of the movement. I genuinely hope you'll join us. It only takes committing to doing one new thing this year to help another person. And there will be a ton of awesome ideas on this podcast from the folks we're featuring. Some of them may resonate with you deeply and others may not at all, and that's okay because we're all called to do different things with the different talents we've been blessed with. But together, with each of us doing what we can, we genuinely can change this country. We'd love to hear what you do. And if there's stories you've heard of that you think we must tell, write me anytime at bill@normalfolks.us. As you've heard, everyone we're featuring and myself included are sharing our direct contact information. We're genuinely hoping to build a real community. It's not just a show. We want to build a community that's unlike anything America's ever seen. And if you enjoyed this episode, rate it and review it and share it with friends on social. All these things that will help us grow an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. Can't wait to see you next week.